Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the Senior Pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. This morning we're going to look at the second foundation. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6 and we're going to read verse 1 and 2. Hebrews 6 verses 1 and 2. The writer of Hebrews is saying, Therefore, leave the discussion of the elementary or the basic principles of Christ and let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. We're going to focus on that one. I'll just read the other doctrines in verse 2, the doctrines of baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment, as we will see in the subsequent Sundays. But for this morning, we're going to look at the doctrine, the first foundation that the Bible talks about, repentance from dead works. Now, before we understand what repentance from dead works is, we need to understand the meaning of repentance. Repentance is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Repentance is a decision. And I'm going to say that again. Repentance is not an emotion or a feeling. It is a decision. Now, some of us would have had an, an emotional experience. When someone prayed for you, someone prophesied over you, you wept, you cried, you felt something happened on the inside of you. And that's a genuine experience, but that's not repentance. Repentance goes beyond a feeling. It goes beyond an emotion. It has to do with a choice or a decision that we make. In the Hebrew language, the word repentance means turning around. But in the Greek Repentance means to change the way we think. What's the meaning of repentance? Can you say this after me? To changing the way you think. Can you say it again? What is repentance? Changing the way you think. So when we repent, it causes us to make a conscious decision to change the way we think about God and we think about sin. Two things. Our, our perspective about God and our perspective about sin. For example, if you're a Christian and still believe that God doesn't love you and God is not willing to forgive you, then you've not repented. You know, as I minister to people, I realize the fundamental basic repentance is missing in their lives and that's why there's accumulated issues in, uh, that they go through in life. And a genuine repentance will mean you change your view and say, and you be, when you begin to understand, God loves you. God has unconditionally accepted you. God has forgiven us through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you still look at God as a judge, then you've not really repented. You've not really changed your view. If you say you're a Christian and your perspective of God has not changed, then genuine repentance has not taken place. In Psalm 103 verse 10, the Bible says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. I want you to look at that carefully. He is talking about God. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great 
is his love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgression from us. And so as we begin to understand God for who he is, there is a change of mind and change of attitude towards God. It's amazing that people still believe that God wants to punish them. But that's not what the Bible says. He doesn't repay us according to our sins. He doesn't treat us the way we deserve because He is a good God and He is good all the time. For example, repentance will be only complete when we change the way we think about God and the way we view what sin is. So we continue to live in the same lifestyle, the same foul language, the same bad habits, then there's nothing of repentance that's really happened in our lives. Our view of sin has not changed. The best example for repentance is in the story of the prodigal son that we see in Luke chapter 15. The Bible says that when the prodigal son came to his senses, he said these words. Let's look at what it was. He says, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He had a realization that he had sinned against his father. Till then, he was justified. Till then, he was still rebellious. And suddenly, he had a, an awakening moment. He understood he, he sinned against God, and he sinned against his father. All sin starts with us understanding we first sinned against God before we sin against others. And I, I think that's important. All conviction starts with us first understanding we sin against God before we sin against others. The prodigal son realized this, and he didn't stay in the pigsty. He felt ashamed of what he did. And he says, I'm no longer worthy to be associated with my family. No longer worthy to be called a son. His view of sin changed. But his repentance was still incomplete till he went back to the father. And the father ran out, kissed him, embraced him. And when he experienced the unconditional love of the father, his repentance was complete. Ah, you know, we can get one right and get the other wrong. We can either have a revelation of God's unconditional love, but not have a change of mind and perspective with regards to our sin. And there are some Christians who have an understanding of their sin and feel so ashamed and feel so condemned, and they stay at the pigsty because they've never understood and never changed their mind about what God is. I can't tell you how important this foundation is in our lives. We must. It is absolutely important. If we're going to live our Christian life healthy and strong, we need to have a change of view of how we see God and how we have a view of our sin. Now, in James chapter 1, verse 16, this apostle is talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. People who have a relationship with God. And this is what he says. Do not be, what's the word? Can you say that loudly? Do not be. Obviously, there were Christians who were deceived. Is it true even today? Plenty. There are many deceived Christians. And this apostle is addressing them, and he's saying this. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. 
every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Can you say the two words? Every good gift and every perfect gift. Where does it come from? It doesn't come from your talents. It doesn't come from your righteousness. It comes from above, the Bible says. And goes on to say, comes down from the Father, speaking about the heavenly Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That means he's not partial. There is no double-mindedness with God. He is absolutely clear. God is good, and every good gift comes from God. Is that good? Someone saying yes. That is not good. Doesn't come from God. Sickness good? Doesn't come from God. Poverty good? Doesn't come from God. You know what? If you want to be a discerning Christian, and if you want to break that deception over your life, I don't know what theology or what message you've heard. The Bible very clearly says, do not be deceived. How? By thinking that God doesn't give good gifts. Thinking that God is partial. And if you're sitting here this morning, going through the same thoughts, break that deception over your life this morning. God said every good gift, every perfect gift comes from the Father above. And there is no shadow of turning. There's no double-mindedness with God. The reason why people have a negative view about God is because they get their understanding of God through their circumstances. And that's a common thing. We grow up with harsh circumstances. We can't make meaning to why these things are happening in our lives. And so we think God is the one who's punishing us and God is harsh and God is behind our tragedies. He's behind our disasters. He's behind the disruption of our relationships. And we carry that belief about God until we are grown up and adults. And that belief begins to shape our lives. We must get our understanding of who God is from His Word and not from our circumstances. One of the key things to discern circumstances in our life is first look at the character of God and then you look at your circumstances. And if you want to grow and be sharp in your discernment, get your perspective from God on your life and in your circumstances. The character of God will reveal His heart in that circumstance for your life. And if God is a good God, then you look at your circumstances and you view it in the light of His goodness. If God is a healer, then you look at your circumstances in the light of who He is. That is God's perspective. That's breaking the negative and the wrong thinking that we've entertained in our lives. Derek Prince says this, genuine repentance will result in genuine faith. Please write this down. I thought this was such a powerful statement. Genuine repentance will lead to genuine faith. Can you say this after me, please? Genuine repentance, now loudly all together, genuine repentance will lead to genuine faith. So my understanding of that statement is the reason why we struggle with faith is because we have not genuinely repented. No matter what may happen in my life, my conviction, my belief in God, God is love. Full stop. How many of you believe that this morning? 
He's absolutely loving. He's absolutely compassionate. He's absolutely gracious. Nothing will change that because he is God and he's eternal. Will we have a view rooted in God? We repent from the old negative way of thinking. And now we embrace our perspective from the word of God. It anchors us in truth. No matter what the storms of life may be, we still know that God is with us. Now look at how this message of repentance is carried on right through the Bible. The John, that John the Baptist, his message, his, his only message was repentance. And repentance paved the way for the ministry of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3 verse 1, the Bible says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, it took me many years to understand this simple statement. What was the message of John the Baptist? Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Can you stretch it to your hand? It's at hand. Can you say that after me? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at The word kingdom is about rule, about authority. It's about lordship. Why did John the Baptist preach that message? It is so important because all their life, the Jewish people viewed God as distant. They couldn't approach God directly. And that was ingrained in their belief. That's how they looked at who God was. God was far off. He's holy. He, he cannot be approached. And suddenly, John the Baptist comes in with a revival message. And he says, repent. Change the way you think. Church, it's time we change the way we think. Because the kingdom, the rule of God is within hand. It's within reach. Your healing is within reach. Your salvation is within reach. Your good, the goodness of God is within reach. We must change our mind. Yes, there is a God who is all sovereign in heaven, but His presence is manifest on the earth. His rule is real. His, His authority can be established within reach. Change of mind. Change of mind. Did you know when you were sleeping, God was there with you? Did you know when you had breakfast, God was there with you? Did you know when you had your shower, God was there with you? Did you know that when you stood here and worship, God was still there with you? Hello? You thought as soon as the worship leader started the first song, God says, oops, I come into the me. You see, that's why repentance is important. We change our thinking. Change our thinking. He's just a whisper away. He is that Emmanuel, and his kingdom, his rule, is within reach, is at hand. And that's the message that John the Baptist preached. See, every revival started with repentance. The hallmark of a revival is not miracles. People are misguided. As soon as miracles happen, revival is happening. No, miracles are not the sign of a, of a revival. Repentance is a genuine sign of revival. You know why? Because repentance is about man turning back to God, engaging with God like they never did before. Look at the message that Jesus preached in Mark chapter 1 verse 14. He began his ministry in Galilee with the message of repentance. 
It says, preach the, Jesus preached the kingdom of God saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom and the rule of God, the authority of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now you look at the other word that comes in. John the Baptist preached about repentance full stop. Jesus takes the message of repentance and he adds one more word to it. What's the word? What's the word? Believe. And that's why the doctrine of repentance from dead works and faith towards God must be together. I'm only doing the first part this morning. We're looking at what repentance is before we look at what repentance from dead works is. That's on next Sunday. Which came first? Repentance came first or belief came first? Repentance came first. The message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost was a message of repentance. His first message in Acts chapter 2 verse 33. Peter stands up and he preaches. The word that he, he conveys cuts people or rather convicts people in their hearts. And the people said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter replied in verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance. So the first message on the day of Pentecost started with repentance. Repentance paves the way for God to establish His rule in our hearts. In the book of Acts, the apostle Paul's message to the Jews was a message of repentance. Acts chapter 20 verse 21. It says, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks. What was his message? Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. You can look up those references, taken straight from the Bible. And so Paul preached the same message of repentance and didn't stop there. Repentance leads us to faith towards God. Genuine repentance leads to genuine faith. So Paul preached first repentance and then belief. In Acts 26, 20, Paul declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should, what's the word? Can you say the word? What's the word it says? Repent and turn to God. It says repent and turn to God and do the works befitting repentance. So you see the emphasis on repentance and belief. Now there is a difference between repentance and remorse. Repentance can be genuine or repentance can be false when it's based on remorse. An example of that is from Judas. When Judas betrayed Jesus, it says in Matthew chapter 27 verse 3 following, that Judas was gripped with remorse. Remorse is sorrow. It's about sadness. It's rooted in guilt, remorse. Judas went through the emotions of feeling remorse. So he went and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders and said, I have sinned for I have betrayed innocent blood. Now, when you only have a view or change of mind for what you've done, it can lead you to remorse. But if you don't have a revelation of who God is, and that does not change your mind, then you can land up doing what Judas did. What did he do? He committed suicide. He went and hung himself. 
Because remorse will only lead you to depression. It will lead you to self-condemnation. It will lead you to a sense of deep shame. And so the Bible is not talking about remorse. It's talking about repentance. It's changing our mind. We see that in verse 5, in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus threw the money into the temple, left, and he went and hung himself. Because the sorrow of what he did was too overwhelming for him. You see, uh, anyone who's had an experience with God, you have life, not death. Life. The meaning of the word regret is deep regret or guilt for, for something wrong you've committed. You know why religion has a lot of penance in it? You've seen people beat themselves. It's a festival. They take the whip and they beat themselves till their flesh bleed. You've seen good Christians. You must have done it. Climbed on the, on the staircase. Climbed so many steps as penance. You see people taking long walks dressed in a different costume and they're walking for miles. People roll on the ground. You know why? Because it's anchored in remorse. They're paying for their sin. They're feeling sad. They're feeling sorrowful of what they've done. All religion is based on remorse. And that's why you get rituals. Do this ritual so many times in order to get over the guilt and the remorse feeling of what you've done. And so some people say, okay, I've done so much of sin. I'm going to give good, do some good works to the poor people. They're doing it out of remorse, not out of repentance. And there are a lot of good things people can do with the wrong attitude. Remorse, feeling sad, feeling guilty of how they cheated someone or what they've done uh, with their life. And so they want to pay back. They want to they live out that sorrow. But look at what happened to Peter. Peter is a good example of what repentance is. So we have the prodigal son in the story, but you have a living example of Peter himself. He denied Jesus three times. Jesus warned him that he would do it, but never listened. When he denied Jesus, the cock crew, he was convicted, he went out, and he wept. But you know what? Peter had a change of mind that what he did was wrong. But he also had a change of mind of God's forgiveness. And that's why Jesus comes and asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? He understood Jesus' love for him. He understood something of who God is that didn't cause him to commit suicide, but be used of God where his life was transformed and was an amazing apostle that turned many people to the Lord. Why? Genuine repentance. Are you getting the message this morning? Some of us have, have only come halfway. Our understanding about God is intact. We understand what his word says. We've had a revelation of his word. But we lack the change of mind towards our lifestyle, towards our sin, towards the way we speak, the, way we, uh, the attitudes we have. On the other hand, some are filled with remorse because you have a change of mind. You're convicted about your lifestyle. You're convicted the way you live. But don't stay at remorse. Remorse will only keep you in the pigsty. Repentance will take you from the pigsty to the Father's house. That's what repentance does. God wants you to have a change of mind about God as well as sin. Who are the ones who need to repent? Acts chapter 17 verse 30 says, all men everywhere ought to repent. Everyone in this world needs to repent. 
Because all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 23 tells it. Every single person who's a human being. If they're a human being, they're sinners. We don't sin and become sinners. We're sinners and that's why we sin. So there is no such thing as a righteous person. We're all sinners because we are human. And because we are sinners, we sin. And because we sin, we need to have the grace of God and the provision of God for our sin. If this has not been your experience, a genuine repentance, it's never too late. It's never too late. That you move from an emotion to a choice. Sin is falling short of the glory of God I'm going to mention a little bit about that, and I'm going to pick it up next Sunday. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the character of God. The glory of God is seeing God for who He is, not for the way we think, not for the way we experience Him. The glory of God is seeing God for who He is. And we've all fallen short of that glory. Why? Because God intended us to be created like Him. Can you imagine? It still surprises me that when I look in the mirror, I even think that God created me to be just like God. He created you and me for greatness. He created you and me for significance. He created us so that we will not struggle with our emotions. He created us so that we will not have a problem with the enemy. He created us so that we will not have one thought of fear, one negative thought of lust, not one ungodly attitude. That's how God created. That's the original you and the original me. But somehow sin stepped in. And we lost sight of the original of who God created us to be. We were created for greatness. You like to say that after me? I was created for greatness. I was created for significance. I was created to bear God's image in this body. You see, when you have the perspective of God and the perspective of man, you've fallen short and God wants to restore you back to that image. And you can't do it by your good works. You can't do it by your righteousness. We need the grace of God. We need the provision of God to cause us, falling short of His glory, to have access in His, in His presence. It's the grace of God. It's a gift. You can't earn salvation. You can't do anything to justify salvation. All we've got to do is change our mind towards God, or what we think about God, change our perspective about sin, and we can say, Lord, thank you. You received me just the way I am because of your unconditional love and grace. Religion. Now, you must be thinking I'm always attacking religion, and you're right. Religion only binds people and keeps them in bondage and punishes them. But Christianity is a relationship. But religion puts us in a box, makes us feel condemned, makes us feel guilty with leaving us with no answers. No answers. But we can come into our relationship with God. We don't have to change for God to accept us. He accepts us, we are, and He changes us in the process. It's like saying, you've got to get healed to come to a hospital. Does that make sense? If you can get healed before you come to a hospital, you don't need a hospital. 
And if people can get right without God, then you don't need God. You've done a good job. Look at one another. We all are desperate people. That's why we need God. And if you don't think you're desperate, you're even more desperate. Because you don't know it. I'm making sense. We come to God because God is the only one who could restore that image that He created us to be. Only He can fix us together. Only He can deliver us. Only He can cause us to have a relationship with God. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.